Welcome back to Teague's Take, the TAPSCon 2022 edition. Uh, man, I've been taking, soaking in a lot of knowledge uh, from a lot of different people about different things. And as much as I think I know about coaching and being a, an athletic director, the more you talk to people, the more you realize there's still a whole lot more that you, <laughs> that you can learn. Um, you know, the last session that we had speaking with officials and the troubles that we have there is really um, touching uh, in some ways and alarming. So I, I do um, suggest that, you know, you go back and listen to that one if you haven't um, with the Teague Steak edition of Bill Theodore and the Tasso officials. It's a pretty good one. It's a little bit longer than the rest um, because there's so much information, uh, but I would... I think you should go ahead and listen to that. So uh, I'm sitting here with a, another person, and man, you know, coming into TAPS, I came into TAPS in 2003 as a coach, shortly after I retired from the Dallas Cowboys. Took a year off, then got into it, and I've only been in TAPS um, the whole time. And uh, as long as I think I've been in it, there are people that have been in it a whole lot longer than I have been. Um, and I started out in a low level, uh, at Harvest Christian Academy. I don't even know what if we were a 3A or what we were at that time. Um, you know, being able to move up um, into the 6A category of, of TAPS has been absolutely great. And you get to see the some of the changes, uh, with whether it's the talent level or the size of the schools and things of that nature. So um, one person I've really learned to watch and understand how they run their programs is over at Bishop Lynch Academy. Uh, it, it's it's just it's another great Catholic institution uh, where our school, John Paul II High School, has good friendly rivalry um, there. Um, but they have a gentleman over there um, who's um, amassed over a thousand wins in, in girls basketball. He's been at the school over 40 years. Uh, continues to show dominance just year after year after year um, because of the way he brings those girls up. Um, so we want to welcome him to the show. Andy Zillman, thank you for, for spending a little bit of time with me today, sir. Thank you for having me. Appreciate uh, it. So with this convention, uh, I don't even know how long we've been having these TAPS conventions, but uh, have you been to all of them? Yeah, quite a few. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, uh, I guess since we joined, we joined TAPS in 91 when the old TCIL started folding. <clears throat> a lot of us did and uh, a lot of the, the old TCL Catholic schools. Yes. And so that's when TAP, TAPS really started growing, quite honestly, when the Catholic schools started joining. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, they, we buried the, the conventions from San Antonio, which it was, it was always the family's favorite place because San Antonio is such a fun place to, to vacation in the summer. And uh, we'd go to the Omni there off I-10 and had a nice facility. It was close to SeaWorld and all that kind of thing. So. And that's back when we had the all-star games too, volleyball and basketball all-star games. And then, um, so we've been in various locations, but it's been in Waco probably, you know, for the last several years. Waco's convenient and the convention center here is great. Mm -hmm. And they do a great job hosting it. So, and I think TAPS has done a great job really expanding the convention with uh, different opportunities for coaches and administrators and uh, uh, to be able to expand their knowledge and get to know people and network and, you know, become better at their at their uh, endeavors and their fields. So, mm -hmm. so um, did you, I'm just curious to see how you started. I know you've been doing it a long time, and a lot of people have. The more I talk to coaches, it's very interesting to hear how they either got into their field or to their sport. Um, and so 
Did you? Were you ever in the classroom? Oh yeah. Um, well, when I first started there, I, I coached football. Actually, I was the offensive coordinator for our first state championship team. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, back in 1988. But when I uh, I started there, well, I was still finishing school part time, coaching freshman everything, you know, football, mm -hmm. basketball. Actually, I coached freshman boys basketball first year there. We were 0 and 21. Didn't win a game. I thought, well, this is not probably for me coaching basketball. Seriously, I thought I said I'll just do football and help with something baseball or track. Because honestly, I didn't play basketball. I, I was a football baseball guy. I played basketball through eighth grade, but I, I didn't even play in high school. And then when I got hired there full time uh, in '78, I believe it was '78 or '79, uh, they said, okay, you're going to be assistant girls basketball. I went, oh gosh. Well, they'd already had a pretty good program, and I thought, well, this might be a, a little challenge coaching the girls and uh, under another guy who had been pretty successful. And so I spent one year as the JV coach and learning under him. And then he left. He went on to Lake Highlands and the AD at the time, who's uh, just, I was lucky. He just gave the job to me pretty much. I think they may have interviewed or looked at two, maybe two other people. But so anyway, so I got on that way. And then, uh, uh, but yeah, I started out teaching. I taught a number of things from world history to government and health and PE and uh, even a social issues class and theology. So uh, so you kind of do a little bit of all when you first start out, you know, and kind of figure that out. So what are some of the main differences between coaching boys and girls basketball? In well, uh, yeah, I, I learned that pretty quickly. And uh, but I did learn that, they, you know, if you ask them and demand that they work hard, you know, sometimes you're just dealing with emotions. Sometimes you deal with the, the emotional side of it, the tears and, you know, and that kind of thing. And growing up being coached by tough coaches myself, you know, I was trying to figure out, you know, how do I do this? You know, how do I transition from a coaching boys and coaching football and, and um, baseball and track to being a girls basketball coach? So, I, um, you know, I learned from our other basketball coach at the time, Jim McCluskey, who was from Chicago, Midway, and he was a tough guy. So I learned a lot from him, but so I realized that you got, and the coach before me was pretty tough on the girls too. But and so I started out trying to be this tough guy, and I really that's just really not my character, you know. I just so I was always demanding, but I learned how to appreciate them for who they were, and remember that they're young girls, and I got to remember that. And so I learned as I went along how to adjust, become a better person, as well as a better coach, you know. And uh, I think I mentioned that at my presentation today that you know I've improved so much because of the players learning how to deal with them and how to be more responsive to uh, their needs and uh, them as young teenage girls as as opposed to coaching 15 and 16 year old boys when you can you know do this say this and whatever so uh, I've learned to uh, respect that and I think that's what most of my players respect about me how I respect them as people and honor what they have to say and, re and respect what they have to say and not just kind of throw it out because I'm the coach and they're the players, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there, there was some transition. I, you know, it has been over the years, even as long as I've done this, it continued to, to grow and learn. And you'll get some that are just a little different than others. And it's not like the old days where you, everybody was coached and treated the same way. Now you got to figure out, oh, this one's got this agenda and mm -hmm. this one's got this problem at home. And this one's, you know, so you, you have to kind of be a little sensitive to that. So, so what, how many teams did you guys have over there? Just girls? girls teams. We have three. We have freshman, J. We used to have four, but 
we had trouble scheduling, you know, two freshman teams or a, a sophomore team and just a lot of girls teams in that. We, I mean, as you know, in our district, there's, there's only a few of us have freshman teams. So trying to find those games now is really difficult. So we just started adding more kids to our freshman team or some of the better freshmen maybe play on the JV or if they're really good, maybe have a chance to play up on the varsity. We'll, occasionally we'll have some of that. We have three teams. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, and that was, uh, well, you guys are a, a pretty large school, I, I think. What are you considered the largest Co-ed co school in, mm -hmm. in Taps, uh -huh. and so that's a, you know, that's a pretty amazing mm -hmm. um, thing to be able to do that, uh, and keep up with the growth and the retention of of student athletes, mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you, you made some pretty impressive runs to kind of keep the, your, your program consistently um, winning. What, what, what do you think um, helps? Con I know it takes good coaches to take good athletes and that kind of stuff. But from a training perspective, you know, what do you try to instill with your girls to have them be prepared all year round? Well, I think one of the things I, you know, I've learned by going to conventions and clinics and, and learning from others, but even learning, you know, uh, you know, coaching the sport of football, how you, you know, teaching toughness and conditioning, and and that's one of the things I thought. Even for girls, I said we need we need to be conditioned for sure for sure because of uh, the running that we have to do, the uh, the pressure and the type of defense that we play. So, you know, and we try to sell it to them and seriously sell it to them that we want you to be in the top shape, especially if you be in the fourth quarter so you can make that run in the fourth quarter when you need to make that. And that's really uh, helped us over the years uh, be successful and really top-notch games or tough games against top, top public schools or in our district or down the road into the playoffs and you know, the state championship games. So, you know, conditioning to me is, is, is foremost because I think it also develops a mental toughness. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you'll find girls are easy. Some girls will easily want to take the easy way out and, oh, I, I can't work out today or I'm not feeling good. And, I said, and when they learn really quickly that we don't really tolerate that, if you want to sit on the side, you're going to sit on the side, but you're also going to sit on here during the game. And that gets to them pretty quickly when they're not playing, even if they're one of our top players. I mean, we find out if they're really sick or not. We use our trainer, our school nurse, say, are they really sick or are they really hurt? Uh, and then some of them, the trainers, I don't know why they're, you know. So then you figure out who are the kids you can count on. The kids that will play a little sick or maybe a little hurt, nothing serious, but that it's just part of the game. Is learn to, so teaching that mental toughness through conditioning and hard work, I think, has helped us over the years. Yes, you know? sir. So I've, you know, as a coach, there are a lot of times games that we remember for one reason or another to just kind of stick out over our careers. And I know there's always a lot of them. But, you know, like for me, one of the ones that sticks out the most for me personally is when we at JP2 were playing against Bishop Dunn and went to 11 overtime oh, football yeah. game and yeah. you know was it the best football game that we ever played no probably not but it was just a, a memorable moment right. in our deal you know and I can talk about a whole lot of other ones that yeah. were seemed important um, to me but in, over your career and you know you, you've won over a thousand something that means you probably played in 15, I don't know, maybe you're at 1,500. I can't 1, even remember what we're doing, 1,100. 1, yeah. So you've played in a lot, a lot of games, but, you know, is there one or a couple that maybe you just 
Well, of course, the ones I always remember, the ones my daughters played in, and both their senior years we had to come from behind to win those games, and that, 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 that sticks out. But the one that really sticks out to me, and it still does and probably will, was the 2021 during COVID. And we were playing the Village, who was you know, one of the top-ranked teams, not only in the state, but in the country. They had all those bigs, and uh, we had played them the year before. Uh, we beat them two years ago and beat them when all those kids were sophomores. And then we played them. They came to our place to play, and they beat us by six. Uh, but that COVID year, we played them for the state championship game. And I said, this is going to be tough. And we came in with a great game plan, and they were, they were ahead most of the game. And we switched our defenses up, and they kept just shooting threes and kept missing them. And I kept told the kids, I said, just stay in our zone and make them shoot. And uh, they did and kept. And we ended up uh, uh, having an incredible turnaround and ended up beating them by 10 uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, and so that one to me, because of COVID, playing in mask, you know, <laughs> one of the few schools. Our diocese was a little you know, different. They were. <laughs> that, that, and, I look, and I look back to those kids. We played all year in mask and they endured it. You know, all year practicing them, played them in school with them all day. And I thought that was just going to, yeah. But we were so conditioned and we were ready, you know, so that fourth quarter made a difference and we wore them down and let them keep doing, taking those wild shots and rebounding. And our kids just took over. So <clears throat> I know there's been other games or state championship games that, uh, that were probably as memorable, but that one just really sticks out to me. And the other one was not a, a district or a playoff game. It was against Mansfield High when they were uh, won four straight state championships. And we played them at our, our place. And Sam Morrill, the legendary Sam Morrill, who's now retired, they had a great team. And their point guard was Aaron Grant, who went on and played at Texas Tech and is now coaching, I believe, at Arizona State now. It's just, anyway, uh, we beat them at our place. And that, that was, they only had uh, two, maybe three losses that year, and one was to us at our place. And in fact, I saw one of my former players who played on that team a couple of weeks ago, and she says, that was our state championship game right there, beating the UIO state champion. And they were state champions that year mm -hmm. uh, for the fourth year in a row. So that one, along with uh, the Village game during COVID, uh, really do stick out. And uh, I remember the old TC holidays, we used to play in San Antonio in the old Hemisphere Arena, and those were big, big old arenas. You know, those were... And then in the early days of Tabs, we used to play at Baylor. And that, that was fun playing there, too. So just uh, <clears throat> been some, some great memories over the, you know, again, stands out my daughter, coaching my daughters and them being able to be a part of a couple of state championships each was kind of fun, too. Man, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Uh, that's cool. So what, um, I, I guess I'd like to hear about that experience as a, a coach, being able to coach your own kids. Yeah, that was uh, from, with my oldest, and I said in our poor thing, she was on a really, really good team. She, she, played, she, she played in the late 90s. She played against Tamika Ketchings. You know, played at Dunkerville in Tennessee. Uh, well, she was on that team. She didn't realize. <laughs> she was a junior when Tamika was a senior. She went six straight games one time in a stretch of her. It was her junior year. She didn't play at all. Six straight games. Well... When I got home that after that sixth game, which happened to be against Duncanville, and to me, my wife let me have it. Really? About, this is your own flesh and blood. And, and then I get to school the next morning, and my assistant coach pulls me into the office and lets me have it. He says, you're not being fair to your own daughter. 
says, uh, you know, you're worried about what these parents are going to say because she's your daughter. You know, I mean, she was yelling at me and, and I was about ready to say, how dare you? You know, she was a young coach, but she was just, and then it just kind of took over. I said, you know, I was so happy she was doing that because she cared about my daughter mm -hmm. enough to say, to let me have it that way. And I just, I, I started crying. I just said, you know, you're right. You're so right. Uh, I probably have not given her the same fair opportunity as some of these other kids. And she could play, she could shoot. She went real quick, but she could shoot. And so uh, from then on, I, I said, I told her, <clears throat> I pulled my daughter aside. We got home and I said, I'm sorry, you're going to get more opportunities. And she said to me, being a coach's kid, she says, Dad, I know what my role is, but I promise you I won't disappoint you. And she didn't. And she was a, she was a great little player. Uh, she could shoot the ball. And, uh, and so uh, thank God that, that that happened to me, both for my wife and for my assistant coach at the time, to let me know that you need to be prepared here. Actually, I had several parents came to me later, too, saying the same thing. Wow. Hey. Be fair to Colleen too. She's on the team. And I said, you're right. And so my middle daughter, her senior, she started and she was a captain, but the state championship game, she was first, first quarter, first half, she was playing horrible. And we're playing Ursuline for the state championship over in Mansfield. I pulled her aside and said, either you get your shit together or we're not, you're not playing the second half. And she did. And she ended up being our second leading scorer of the game. <laughs> and she rarely went to score. She's more of a defensive player, but, uh, um, so that was kind of very memorable too. So, it, you know, it, it was tough sometimes, you know, trying to be fair to your daughters, you know, mm -hmm. and at the same time, and on the same note, what was really hard for me was when, as an AD, when my son was playing, playing mm -hmm. football, and he, he ended up earning the starting quarterback position, and then they decided to move him back to receiver, and and I was fine with that because he was fine with it, but there was just a lot of things going on that I didn't agree with. And it's probably more as a dad than probably as an AD. Yeah. So I had to bite my tongue and just, you know, I didn't want to be one of those kind of AD dads, you know. To, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, so. But, uh, and now he's coaching in big-time high school football down in the Beaumont area and enjoying that. And so. Well, I hope you guys are listen, hearing this message because, you know, what I'm hearing is the, the learning moments that you can have as an administrator or as a coach when you're coaching your own kids. Absolutely. Um, because you can't get caught up in your own world or your traps, I guess, where you're treating your kids unfairly. So we do appreciate you for sharing um, that. So Bishop Lynch, I know where it is, but why don't you tell the people, we got a lot of people that are listeners from you know, all over the place, out of state, maybe they move into the Dallas area somewhere. And why don't you tell us kind of where you're located in just in case someone's looking. Yeah, we're in the East Dallas area. <clears throat> And uh, we, we're close to White Rock Lake and Arboretum, so that probably helps me. We have uh, Mesquite and Garland that border us. Uh, and so we've been there. We'll be celebrating our 60th anniversary uh, next year. Uh, we opened up in 63, so in 2023 will be our 60th anniversary. Uh, I've been there a while. I also went to school there, and so did my wife and my children. So we, we basically have never left. <laughs> and I grew up in the Richardson area. But I went to Bishop Lynch and uh, came back and taught and coached and was a minister there, administrator there and have enjoyed uh, every moment. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of things you learn along the way, both as, a, as an educator, as an administrator, and, and as a coach. And, you know, I had parents tell me a lot of times, uh, say, Coach, you, you spend more time with our kids than we do. So we trust you. 
And so, I mean, that's a lot of responsibility when you think about it. I said, man, they're putting all that trust in. So you got to care for them. You know, I told, I told the parents, I said, they're like our own children. We care for them. So if we discipline them, it's, it's out of love and because we're trying to correct some behavior or some attitude. So please trust us. We will never disarm your child or, or deliberately, but we will discipline them. We will not demean them. We will not cuss at them. Uh, you know, if something slips out, we will apologize to them. But we're going to treat them like their own, our own daughters. And, and that, that, is, that has done well for me over the years. Parents trust that and respect that. And uh, so, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're blessed to sometimes get people that move in from out of state or from a different area. Or maybe they're not happy with the public school they're going to. And they know the success we have and uh, the reputation we have that they might, they, they contact us and, uh, about coming to Bishop Lynch and playing basketball or whatever. And so uh, that's helped us a lot over the years too. But uh, we get a, you know, a lot of kids just like y'all do from the, our Catholic Peter schools that, that we build on, you know, and we rely on. And so that's, that's the fun part of it too. And, and probably the most important thing to me and why I've stayed at Bishop Lynch for so long, uh, being in a private Catholic school is, and, and I know you know this, is that it's so refreshing to be able to share your faith with the kids absolutely, and have them share theirs with you. I mean, what better way to be in education than be able to talk about Jesus Christ or, mm -hmm. or and God and, uh, and our faith and, and hear even kids from different faiths be able to share how they believe in. in and so it's, it's just such a, a faith-filling and rewarding experience as an educator. And I talked to a lot of my public school colleagues and they said they, they that's what they want to do when they either retire or try to get into private schools where they can do that same thing because that's so important to them as well. Right. And so uh, to me, that's, that's the number one thing is be able to shape lives and mold lives, you know, for the better. And, you know, but selfishly, it helps mold me to be a better person too. What's the school's website? Bishoplynch.org, www.bishoplynch.org. All right. All right. Yeah, so, you know, I've learned a lot about that school. We've done a lot of things together. And, man, I don't know how many times I'm over there a year just because yeah, of how I many know. games we play on all levels, whether it's freshman, JV, varsity. Um, well, our kids know each other. Else. You know, they grew up together in grade school and playing with each other. And, you know, ironically, we have a lot of our alumni that have their, their children over John Paul, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so being as school as long as those we are, or at Jesuit or Ursuline, too. And so... That's when I walk in the gym and I, hey coach, and I go, hey, you're in the wrong colors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, I get it too. If I live in that neighborhood, it's like I've, I've told our administrators, is this, if I live over by Jesuit and my son's a stud athlete, he might be going to Jesuit, you know? Uh, and so uh, it, it's, it's all good. And I've always told eighth graders when they come in to visit, when they tour and look into two schools, you know, when I used to be an administrator, even today, if I get a chance to talk to them, I said, listen, you got some good choices. But what I encourage you to do is try to encourage you to still stay in Catholic schools. You know, whether it be us, John Paul, Jesuit, or Ursuline, or Bishop Dunn. You know, if you can continue your Catholic education, it's going to help you down the road. Yes, sir. So. Yes, sir. And I appreciate that. I know all of our schools appreciate that. And we appreciate you just for being who you are. You're, you know, you're a great motivator, great teacher, great person that can inspire people. And you're even, I'm going to say, helped with our relationship between the two schools and, and building the the rivalry, keeping it clean and good. Oh yeah. 
you know. Um, so it's um, it's still. I'm sorry, we're live. Uh, so it's still um, it's refreshing to be have the relationships with people that on game day we know it's going to be fired up and intense and all yes. that kind oh, of yeah. stuff. But we can sit down like this and break bread and talk about faith and right. academics and, and the sports. most important things <laughs> yeah the most important things you know, and, and, and so. do that and i think that's really over the past few years really helped our our schools get closer together and from the spirit of competition right that may be what it would have been in the past i don't know i hadn't been here but i just feel like yeah. they we're good and i just want to say thank you personally well thank you for saying that i appreciate that i agree too that. and uh if you haven't found the the Catholic happy hour around here yet. Make sure you call me a little bit later. Okay. But anyway, man, it, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to do it again some point in time. Sure. And, uh, really maybe that. go in a deep dive into coaching because there's a lot of people that listen to us and they just want to know, man, how do I get better? What do I do? Yeah. Uh, know. A lot of kids, you know, that listen and follow us, they just want to, man, what kind of tools can I get to be better? Uh, yeah, and I, I agree. I think young coaches need to, to join associations, you know, Texas Coaches Association, TABC in basketball. Every sport has their own association. And go to those clinics, conventions, you know, once a year so you can, one, network, meet other coaches, meet college coaches, and learn more about your game. And so you become a better coach. And uh I think that's the best way you grow grow your sport and grow the game and, and get to grow yourself as a professional, too. Well, well, let me tell you what he just said as I get ready to close this out. And this is something, one of my taglines that I always use when I'm developing uh, my staff at John Paul or any place that I've been. When you stop learning, you stop earning. So go ahead and keep on getting your learn on. That's why I'm sitting here at at the TAPS convention too, because there's still things that I need to know on how to become a better athletic director um, to be able to lead um, our staff um, at JP2. So Andy, I just want to say thank you very much for coming on, spending a little bit of time with us, and I'm sure we'll see y'all over there at Bishop Lynch sometime in August, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> okay. Thank right. you, George. Thank Appreciate you, it. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. That was kind of fun. <laughs>